Welcome to Reinventing Education, Compelling Teacher Development, the podcast where we take apart education and put it back together in a meaningful way. I'm Rob McLeod. In this episode, we'll take a look at the four values behind education. In episode two, we asked, what is a school education for? In order to answer, we unpacked the difference between school and education. School is a place with a set of practices where students get an education. An education is the receiving or giving of systematic instruction. What this systematic instruction looks like varies on a spectrum, from direct instruction to self-directed instruction. But regardless of the type of systematic instruction, the instruction is intended to help students learn information or develop skills. The purpose of this information, or skills, has three intended outcomes. The development of citizenship, self-improvement, and occupational preparation. Of these three, one is often privileged over the others. Schools around the world, regardless of their context or pedagogical approach, share the characteristics we've just identified. But once we ask the question, how should we do this? How should we teach information and skills? What information and skills should we teach? Values enter the discussion. Values are defined as principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. To judge something important in life means you privilege some options over others. Different values lead to different ideas about what is important in life. These values are why different people have different ideas about what we should do. These values inform judgments about citizenship, self-development, and occupational preparation. These four different values inform what their approach to school education looks like. This leads to an incredible diversity of approaches to school education. But we can trace all of these back to these four categories. Four categories based on the value behind them. These values inform both content and process. These four values inform the content of what should be taught and also inform the process of how it should be taught. The four competing values currently active in education are 1. Self-discipline 2. Ambition 3. Sensitivity and 4. Development These four values, self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, and development, have all arisen in education over time. They are products of their time and environment. Largely, they were a result of the economy and society they emerged from. We'll explore each value, self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, and development over the next four episodes. We'll dedicate one episode to each value. For now, we'll briefly introduce them. And to do so, we'll name the value. We'll highlight its belief about what ability is important for citizenship, development, and occupational preparation. To do so, we'll name the value. We'll highlight its belief about what ability is important for citizenship, self-development, and occupational preparation. How this suits a particular economy will be highlighted as well. So we're giving you a value, foreign ability, foreign economy. To introduce each value, we'll fill in the blanks to the following sentence. Students leave our system demonstrating a certain value so that as citizens, they demonstrate a capacity for an ability which prepares them for an occupation in the a specific economy. 
There is a value which serves an ability which serves citizenship within the economy the school finds itself in. First, let's start with self-discipline by defining it. Self-discipline, correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. Students leave our education system demonstrating self-discipline so that as citizens, they can demonstrate the ability to comply, which prepares them for an occupation in the military or an industrial-focused economy. The second value we'll explore is ambition. Ambition being the desire and determination to achieve success. Students leave our education system demonstrating ambition, so that as a citizen, they demonstrate a capacity for strategizing, which prepares them for an occupation in the free market. The third value we'll explore is sensitivity. Sensitivity being the awareness of the needs and emotions of others. Students leave our system demonstrating sensitivity, so that as a citizen, they demonstrate a capacity for social responsibility, which prepares them for an occupation in the connection economy. And the final value we'll explore is development. Development, to grow and become more mature, advanced, or elaborate. Students leave our system demonstrating development, so that as a citizen, they demonstrate a capacity for transformation, which prepares them for an occupation in the VUCA economy. VUCA economy being an acronym for an economy characterized by volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. We can't talk about a school education without talking about the economy that surrounds it. We've highlighted four different types of economy and the ability that economy requires. The four economies we have highlighted have been industrial, the free market, connection, and VUCA economies. The four abilities we've looked at are compliance, strategizing, social responsibility, and transformation. A value can inform both an economy and the school education that supports that economy. This value informs beliefs about what is most important in life. Our values act like colored glasses. Everything is colored by valuing self-discipline, or ambition, or sensitivity, or development over everything else. Now, this is not to say that you don't have use for the other values. Rather, you include them, but only if they serve your value. If they don't serve your value, you don't have time for them. All roads must lead back to your value. Let's say you value ambition. You may make time for sensitivity, if it supports student ambition and the desire for achievement and success. But if a particular approach to the inclusion of sensitivity doesn't support ambition, or even hinders ambition, you won't make it a part of your approach to a school education. All roads lead back to your value. If you're like me, a critical voice in you might arise. But some schools do a bad job at instilling their particular value in students. Yeah, this is true. Some school educations do a bad job of instilling the value in students. Just because a school education values self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, or development, it doesn't mean they execute the instilling of it very well. This is another matter, and we'll address it in future conversations. For now, we're just highlighting that the value acts as an organizing principle behind an approach to a school education which is influenced by society and an economy. Our next four episodes will look at each of these values. 
we'll inquire into how each value arose historically, why they were a fit to their given conditions, what these values look like in action within education, how changes in societal and economic factors led to changes in education, how times have changed and in some ways education has not, how these four values oppose each other and why they don't get along, and how each of these four values does bring something to the table for where education might go next. In summary, school is a place with a set of practices where students get an education, and regardless of the type of instruction they receive, the instruction is happening so that students get information or develop skills. The purpose of the information or skills serve three intended outcomes. Citizenship, self-improvement, and occupational preparation. What these three outcomes look like and how they should be attained differ due to four different values in education. These values being self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, and development. Each of these arose in response to societal and economic factors. We will explore each value in depth over the next four episodes. Hello, Rob McLeod. Hello, Brendan O'Leary. It's always been, it's always a bit puzzling to know how to start this, but we've started. With a cheery, let's, hello. Let's, let's go. Let's go. So, we, um, we talked uh, about possibly talking about the process of how we put this podcast together. Um, we can uh, slip that in at the end or we can, we can talk about it here. Um, Let's uh, do that right now. Okay. We, we are interested in that. I'm not sure who else would be. There's a good chance no one else is interested. Okay. But I felt it was worth mentioning because we keep referencing it through the podcasts so far. Yes. Yeah. So Brennan and I, we're building off of just what we've done recreationally, which is have lunch together. We've worked together at the same school, have lunch together, chat about education. We're, we've taken those chats into this podcast format where for each episode, we get together, discuss ideas about the content we want to have on the next episode. We get together, discuss that, then separately, I go off and write a version of notes based on what we've said, which makes up this first half of the podcast, which we just heard. And then uh, Brendan listens to it. We get together a day or two later and record this part, the second part of the podcast, having given a little bit of time for ideas to, to settle in and simmer. And it's also a chance to be critical about what we're talking about. Neither of us pretend to be the experts on this topic and we we are in the process of an inquiry i would say into what reinventing education looks like sure and that process um that process will change and develop a little bit and we'll see how it goes um we're still learning how to put this this little machine together so um I just would jump straight back in to recap what you said in the first half. We talked about, um, once again, review the purpose of school and um, the purpose of education. Um, and you once again refer to those three goals of school. That is to um, attain citizenship, to self-improve, and to be able to gain some kind of occupation in the current uh, climate, economic climate. Um, and the big question here that we will address at some point um, is how do we teach information and particularly skills and the application of skills with those three goals 
explicitly or implicitly in mind. That's essentially where this, the first half got us to, I think just recapping where we've come so far and really stressing this point that we don't often talk about this. It's implied in a lot of our conversations that a school education has these three intended outcomes, citizenship, self-development, and getting you ready for the job market. Yeah, and it's coming back to this idea of how explicit um, are we in knowing what we want to do and, and how, um, how clear are we in how we're going to achieve those aims. Um, we being any of those agendas we talked about in the last episode of the, the pupil, uh, the teacher, the, um, the parents, the city, the, the nation, the, the global uh, community. Um, yeah, and so your answer, your big one-word answer to how should we teach info and skills is values. I mean, it, it comes down to your values will determine which information and skills you teach, which you prioritize. Um, and you define values as the standards of behavior that you introduce to serve these principles, your values, whichever ones you have, um, honesty, integrity, self-direction, kindness, uh, basically any abstract noun that you would like, would you care to, um, to look at? Yeah, that was my take on the first little bit of your, your podcast. Yeah, I think that that's a summary of it. Yeah. Um, and so the first question that popped up to me again is this, how explicit uh, are we or have we been so far in, in determining those values and talking about the, um, the values we share and where we differ? So do you want to just uh, bring up a little bit of your feeling on, on where we are now with that? I think it's rare in education that we explicitly teach these four values that I addressed in the podcast. So the four, I, the, you've just mentioned a list of abstract principles um, just to stay within the thread of the podcast. I would just repeat again, this idea of self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity and development as the four central values in education right now. And I would say it's less that we teach them explicitly and it's just more that they are like the ambient noise, the governing forces, the water we're swimming in, that they inform everything we're doing in school. And I think it's more more often the case that we are not explicitly teaching these things, but it, they're so ingrained in what we're doing that they rub off on you essentially. If you are a, a student within a school system, you could trace everything we back, everything we do back to one of these four things. And that really at the bottom of it, there's maybe a value of ambition. I'd say that's still the most common one. And we'll probably get into that. Yeah. Everything we're doing is geared around the idea that ambition is really important. Yeah. Well, the reason why I started off with that list is, um, to kind of touch on a little bit, um, that when we do talk about values and living the, um, the good life, the well lived life, these are the abstract nouns that will come up again and again in any in any system or or um, taxonomy of values and later on yeah i did want to kind of dig in a little bit as to where those four specific ones came from because they are not and i've said this to you before they don't necessarily seem to be four that are obviously linked together there's no there's no 
obvious theme between those four values um, in the way that, say, honesty, kindness, um, integrity possibly have very strong links, whereas, um, yeah, um, sensitivity and achievement, they um, don't necessarily seem to have a strong link between the two. Uh, but I guess that's the point. So we'll get to that a little later. But I think the point I wanted to make is that you brought up here the idea that we privilege one over the other. We privilege some values over others with the aim of um, achieving our goal of, of living a good life and doing the right thing. Um, but my point wasn't so much about the teaching of the values but just knowing which one we favor and knowing which one we our actions display more than the others can you unpack that a little bit i'm not sure what you mean by that so obviously we could have lessons where we explicitly or assembly where we explicitly talk about the value of um self-responsibility or any of these values um, and that would that would be um, explicit teaching of that value but if you just ask somebody of this list of values which ones of these do your actions show more than others that's clearly a that's clearly more how those values matter because you can have a lesson where you've learned all about kindness, so you've learned all about integrity, but clearly it's your actions day to day and whether they show kindness and whether they show integrity that makes more, that's more important. So it's not so much, are we going to teach these things? It's, are we going to have the discussion about what are our values and do our actions day to day in everything we do um, match what we say we believe in. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say for you, um, do, do you feel that we do that enough? Do you feel that we have to uh, spend more time talking about the values and more time thinking about how, um, uh, think about whether our actions match with the values that we say we have? I think that's very different on a school-by-school -school basis. I think there are likely, without trying to get into just examples off the top of my head, there are definitely schools that do... I think what we're talking about now is more character education. And I think there's schools that present the values, explore the values, but then actually work to embody them. I think there are some schools that do that better than others. Yeah. And yeah, I would say myself as a teacher who does explicitly discuss values like self-regulation, like focus, um, and several other character strengths. At the end of the day, it's, there's two, well, there's many things going on, but the two perhaps most important in um, the classroom are, am I embodying these things? Am I acting as a model beyond just my lesson about this, beyond the activity we've done? Am I embodying this and to what degree am I showing it? Because I think that has a huge influence. That's the actual lived influence sure. um, from the teacher's side. And then the other is whether or not the students develop in this. Like you can have assemblies, you can have weekly discussions, chats, meetings, posters up on the wall, songs about things. But if students aren't actually embodying and demonstrating these, there's, it, it, it is just talk, it is just singing. And it's not, actually being cultivated or grown no and it, it 
it also, and we will get to the wider society later because that keyword is society. We haven't said it very much, but it, it, it is going to come back as a huge theme. If you as a teacher embodying values that are not the same shared values as the society and not the same shared values as the uh, wider um, global um not the same um, as the wider kind of global or national conversation, you will find um, uh, it very frustrating and not see a lot of progress towards your goals. Um, and so uh, one way to uh, at least deal with this would be to have more honest conversations about what our values are and how we embody them. As, as teachers, as students, as um, a community that involves parents and, and, and government and the, the local community. And I think one of the ways that we kind of sometimes not very um, effectively kind of try to deal with this is when we talk about mission statements. Um, so... I'm sure you remember the time we sat down to try and write a mission statement. Um, my experience of, of this was not hugely positive because I don't think we'd had the pre-discussion about what were our actual values. And I also think it was kind of out of our hands because we were part of a bigger system that maybe we didn't really understand. Yeah, and I'd, e I'd even just zoom this out even further to kind of make the point, yeah, to bring in this point of societal discussion, like schools are offering a school education for anywhere from 10 to 14 years, depending on the country. Most students are at school roughly six to eight hours a day. Schools are a huge part of our society's upbringing of children. Schools make a huge part of the development of individuals in our society. And I don't know that on the societal level, we've articulated what our real values are. And not in the sense of, clarity that we could define them within like even a meaningful mission statement on the country level or the province or state level. Uh, of course, there are sayings and there are slogans, hmm. but I don't think on the highest level we've articulated truly what the values are. I'd say it's more like one of those wordles or something. It's like, yeah, there's about 300 words you could draw from and any of those are of no one would disagree of course honesty of course self-discipline of course self-regulation there's just a big pot of them but at the same time there there is also a hierarchy of them to some degree yeah. i think that some of them are definitely going to be higher up than others um so yeah i think it's difficult on the school level to articulate them in a meaningful way. Yeah. Because on the larger societal level, it's just, it's, it's a gumbo. It's a bit of everything in there. Well, it is, but the way someone like Friere would, would kind of deal with that is, is to actually spend some time in that community or in that school and look for themes and look for, um, questions that keep being asked and uh, problems that keep arising and themes that keep coming up. And that would be where your, where your values would emerge and where the differences in values would emerge. Um, you know, I, I, this is, this is my kind of favorite bit from, from the book where he shows some, he shows a bunch of young guys, this, picture of um of, of a 
an old guy on the street, like, and he's drunk and he's kind of like uh, zoned out. And the, the, these people are stepping over him and the young guys say, Oh, look at that bum. Look at him. He's not, he's, he's not bringing anything to the table. Look at that guy. And then he shows the same picture in the same small community of a few thousand people to like, 60 year old guys who are the same age as this guy and they say look at that guy he's worked so hard he's he's exhausted he's just having to sit down on the street and take a take a drink and um it's kind of like they're just asking those questions just looking around and 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 seeing how people react to the events that are happening in in the community or in the school and then um having that ongoing discussion about well what value or, or or just the just the reflection of what value are we actually showing right now which one of this list are we favoring over the others and not just for uh, um not just for for fun or just for uh, an exercise but to actually say well do our actions match what we are saying yeah, I guess it comes down to the idea of integrity. I think the, the, the one of the best examples, maybe globally, of us trying to do this is the Millennium Development Goals. They were criticized for the same reason of not enough discussion went into them. Before I don't know the, what these are. Can you explain what they are? So um, around the turn of the millennium, I'm just going to bring them up and, and read them because I can't remember exactly what they are. Um, but around um, around the turn of the century, the the uh, United Nations decided that they would set a bunch of global goals that would be achieved by around 2015 to 2020, and they were something that every single country in the globe would try to achieve. And they were things like improving um, health for um, mothers. Uh, reducing child mortality, um, universal primary education, and eradicating extreme poverty and hun- hunger. And the others I've just pulled up here are combating HIV and AIDS and malaria and promoting gender equality. So these are, uh, and they try to set measurable goals. And a lot of countries hit the goals early. And there were um, then global programs by the United Nations to support countries that weren't going to make it. Um, For me, when I was thinking about this idea of shared values and taking action on them, this was the, uh, the the one idea that I think globally we have, we have tried to do. Um, Yeah. For me though, this discussion keeps coming back to the unspoken hierarchy of certain values. And I think to connect this back to the four that I brought up in the first part of the podcast, I think if you take any one of those four, I think particularly ambition, you can bring all roads back to it. And it's like, I think out of those four, the self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, and development, To certain people, you could have four different people and each of those four different people would value one of those four more than any other. And they might, you could take those four different people and they might say, hey, we could meet those goals of this Millennium Project, but ultimately it's going to take ambition to do all of that. Or alternatively, yeah, ultimately, it's really going to take self-discipline to make that those things happen. Yeah. And I think the discussion from the first half of this podcast is just trying to introduce this idea that different groups will have at their core one value that is ultimately valued and privileged over the others with an largely unspoken belief that everything else can be reduced down to something that is reliant on this value. So everything can be reduced down 
that if we just show self-discipline, if we just have ambition, if we just have sensitivity, if we just have the capacity for development, then we can, we can meet any challenge. But yeah, I guess the real test of that would be in the real world interactions, which of those are you actually, when it comes down to it and there's a conflict between two. Okay. So here's the example I kind of came up with. So, um, let's say, let's say you gave the answer of, yeah, you've got four um, values there, but I kind of do all of them. They're all important to me. And, mm-hmm. and you say I should prioritize one, but I don't really. I, 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 I think I'm equal in all four. Um, and then you have a, an issue where you have a conflict between a student that hurts another student and how you solve or how you help the students to solve that problem. Um, and the words and actions that you use would be a very strong clue as to which one of those values you prioritized, at least in that context. Of course, there's going to be some contextual um, differences, but you're kind of saying which one do you prioritize most? Which one do you go to most of the time? So if you're kind of the one that says, okay, well, you didn't control yourself, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish you for this, and this comes down to maybe a self-discipline model, or if, or if you take the two kids together and spend some time digging into why the problem emerged, maybe this is a more sensitive take on it to look and say, well, actually, both of you may have a, a, a genuine gripe in this issue. Or one of the expressions might be like, hey, let's create a bit of an incentive system here for better behavior in the future. Sure. That might lean more towards the ambition side. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the ultimate, if someone says like, no, I'm pretty balanced. And I think most of us would say that. Like sure. be, between self-discipline, ambition, sensitivity, and development, of course, all of us are going to say, yeah, I have capacity for all four of those. Yeah. Like everyone does, of course. But to go back maybe to the point you're, you're trying to get me to here is like, cool. Yeah, I... I you can say to this person, yes, I believe that you probably have all four of these in balance. Hey, total free reign, go teach a week of school now and we'll watch what you do. Sure. Or do your job in whatever capacity you do it in. But we're talking about education here. So yeah, you, you go run your school or teach and, um, and uh, let's look at how and I'm talking about, yeah, myself here. Let's look at how I deal with these situations and which one I prioritize. Yeah, and, and I think you could bring any person. Well, again, let's say this idea of you have four different people and each have one of these different values as their main value. Those four people could go in, essentially, even potentially, teach a pretty similar looking lesson but their motivations or reasons for doing certain things or even what they're valuing or not um, within a given lesson can be dramatically different. So even if they're, even if it looks like they're doing the same thing behind the scenes, there might be a very different motivation for that same behavior. Sure. And I think you would want to look at it on several levels, as in an individual lesson, a week, a unit of study, a term, a year, and you know, inside the classroom and outside in other areas too. And then those themes would emerge. And um, I'm sure if someone did this to me and followed me and, and called me on it, I would be way off with what I actually say, what I do. Obviously, I'm trying to do the right thing but i'm not sure whether i always match my words always match my actions mm-hmm. i mean clearly that's the hardest thing to do um all right so um i'm gonna jump into the part here where you um kind of set up those values those four values and the sentence you say is that students leave our system demonstrating capacity for 
one of these four values so that as citizens, they can get an occupation in this economy. Yeah, and there's um, an ability they need to demonstrate to get a job in that economy. Yeah. So this is a potentially, I guess, controversial statement in the sense that it, your statement puts the economy as the end point. It puts the economy as the final goal of any school system. Is that just the wording or is that, do you stand by that? I think it's the sentence order. Those three ideas have to go into an order, but I think those three sentences, that idea of tuning into a value, that's more on the individual self-development section. The capacity for citizenship obviously links more to towards citizenship and then Finally, yes, the last one that comes in that sentence is the occupational preparation. And I think for most education systems, ultimately that is the most important, but I, I'm not reducing it down to say the only purpose of school is for that occupational preparation. But I would say in most contexts, that is the privileged one. Sure. And you could kind of change the wording just by put, um, and they can get an occupation rather than so. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so they kind of put citizenship and the occupation on the same level. Um, this is where this idea of society comes in because this, all of those three elements are huge parts of society. Um, all of our social interactions. And um, a school is essentially a social institution legally required and uh, paid for by our taxes. Um, but I do think like the way we structure that sentence will is it become important even when we begin to design or reverse engineer a system. Um, but I guess at that point our aim would be to have those three goals uh, balanced in whichever way they would need to be. Yeah, and it, I'm going to make the first sentence about what reinventing education might look like. Sure. One of the first hypotheses would be that there would be a new value. There'd be a new capacity also come online. And this would be in reference to the environment, the society, the economy that's present. Um, our next four episodes will go into great detail about the four of these and me making a case that each of them have arisen out of societal, cultural, and economic factors. So these aren't things that are being like just thrown at society and trying them. They are like the economy, the society, the education system, they are co-creating each other. They're, they're more intertwined and, and dancing with each other and creating each other than they are one imposing itself on the other. So sure. I think if there is to be a huge change in education, it's not going to come from our, you know, being theoretical and brainstorming and, and imagining like, well, this logically would come next, so let's make that happen. Sure. It's going to come out of the earth. It's going to come out of the people. It's going to come out of our interactions. It's going to come out of how we are being with each other. And there likely needs to be an education, a school education that serves the individual, that kind of citizenship, given that kind of economy, that kind of society. Sure, it's a, it's a give and take. It's going both ways. Um, and I'm sure what you're kind of also touching on is that we, through reflection and being more aware of which value system we are embodying, we can decide whether it is the one that we really do value and really do think um, is the right way for, for us as individuals and as society. Yeah, and I think it's also really important that no one of these values, in my opinion anyways, should have the monopoly. 
there isn't one of these values that I'm saying should beat out the others and be the only one. This is part of the reason that talking about education is so complex at the moment is we have all four of these values online together. We have all four of these dancing around for very different roots, but we're saying they connect to the same tree of education. But, sure. but all four are present and it's not a matter of narrowing it down to one. It's how do we approach, embrace, deal with all four of these competing values. And I think this is maybe a point, the point we should just kind of go back to this idea of the different economies um, to pick them apart. I don't want to jump too far ahead because this will be <laughs> the content for the next four episodes. But each of these four values have historically arisen and one has come after the other and one has come after another and influence the education system of its time. Now, the, I basically laid out four economies that we've kind of moved through historically, moving from a very industrial and military-centric economy around you know, the time of the Industrial Revolution. Well, that shifted more to the kind of free market capitalism down the road, but Industry and a military-centric economy didn't go away. It shrunk somewhat, but even still today in 2018, like industrial labor makes up a significant part of our workforce. Well, it gets a little bit tricky there because they're, you know, the free market is not necessarily <clears throat> different or running um, uh, separate to an industrial economy because totally. the industrial economy is essentially an element of the free market. But you're kind of, what you're describing here is how a school would prepare people who are going to mostly be expected to work um, within factories and within the military mm -hmm. versus an ambition um, sector, an ambition driven kind of school system which would be okay you are going to work at all the different strands within the free market you are going to um, the free market in 2018 is um, will require you to have an ambition and a drive that if you are working in, in um, certain parts of industry um, kind of less well-paid jobs, essentially, and, and, and kind of minimum wage jobs. Um, the argument is that you only really need self-discipline. They only really need to teach you to have self-discipline because you are going to work on the factory floor. Or you're going to work in a, in a minimum wage job where you don't need anything other than to comply. You are still part of a free market economy and you have the option to move up and down the within the market but uh, a more modern school would say that we don't know where you're going to be in that free market so we're going to try and um we're going to try and teach you um everything you might need with this underlying drive and ambition because the modern version of the free market economy is that if you have the will to succeed, then you can succeed. And that's always been the case. Of course, that's the, that's the, um, that's been the dream, the American dream and the, the, the dream of uh, entrepreneurs and industrialists for since the beginning. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit trickier. It becomes clearer when you look at, what are schools teaching their children, their students to be ready for as workers? Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I won't go further than just to say what that change looks like within schools is a shift towards the measurement of what's happening in schools. That shift from an industrial centric education to a less industrial but more free market economy is the shift from the stereotypical one-room 
schoolhouse of people reciting what they are supposed to say and being sure. punished if they don't into the um, learning objectives being closely tracked for progress to figure out who the all-stars are and who's not, um, grading things to see who's better than others, who gets advantages to move to the next steps, who gets filtered out into different levels of school. Um, that's the shift you begin to see in school, but we'll go into that yeah, in I just greater want, depth. I just want to bring it up because, yeah, of course, they're not different in terms of economies. They, they are just um, the type of worker you're training. And that mm -hmm. comes on to this, this third one of the, um, the sensitivity. And if, you're, if you have something that you call the connection economy, now, I hadn't really heard of this term before. I, I know the term knowledge economy, but that's essentially just a version of um, cutthroat free market capitalism that works more with data and information than it, than it does with actual products. So can you just explain briefly the connection economy and how it relates to um, students who have been trained or taught or, or um, put put the idea of sensitivity as their core value. Yeah, so I think this is where we shift on the economic scale towards more conscious capitalism, as it's called. So companies who have at the center of their business model an idea that we are earning money in order for our social responsibility to give back, to pay back, to you know feed the homeless, to plant trees, to you know, support various charities or organizations. Yes, we're making money, but the money is not ultimately only for us. It's being used for some greater societal good. That's one element of it. Um, but I think more specifically in the connection economy, it's the idea that it's the taking a part of the large, massive systems that were required previously. So before, if you wanted to make money off having a room for someone to rent, you needed to own the hotel and staff the hotel and fill the rooms. Whereas the businesses that are opening up in the connection economy, I would highlight things like Airbnb, Uber, these things, they've decentralized all this that Uber doesn't own a single taxi in the world. And yet, millions of people are using it every day. Airbnb does not own a single room, but there's millions of people using the service every day. So that's the connection economy on the largest scale. Connection economy on the smallest scale is selling from trust and selling from relationships. Building relationships first and then leading to sales later. Whereas I would cartoonishly over-characterize the previous era of just free market, more capital-centered capitalism as like, yeah, buy our thing and hopefully you don't feel defrauded after. Whereas the connection economy is more about building up trust, building up relationship first, and then maybe making an offer down the road. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what you're describing there is is not new. This is how this is how villages worked. This mm -hmm. is how, um, but it, it is different. It is. It, it, we will get into this a little bit more. But it is what we were describing of how a hundred years ago you had a small village with a corner shop. Uh, it's not quite what you're describing here, where the main. Um, the, the main idea is to be sensitive to what is needed within the economy. It doesn't mean you don't have ambition. It doesn't mean you don't want to expand and grow, but you would not do it at the expense of other people per se. You would want to, um, you, you would want to be, um, you would want to have that integrity and you'd want to have that feeling that you are, uh, giving as much as you're, you're taking. Is that kind of, am I kind of getting closer to it there? Yeah, I think that's close to it. Okay. Um, and then just briefly, um, 
I just wanted to bring up for the development because of course um mature advanced elaborate complex and and responding to this volatile uncertain economy essentially essentially you're describing today essentially you're describing what our um stereotypically or archetypal definition of today's market and the future um did you want to unpack that at all here or because i do have one or two questions about that maybe just start with your questions okay the first thing for me is that it, it i it seems like it's everything it seems like it's and all of the stuff i said in the others together and it's kind of like is that not a cop-out is that not a cop-out to just say because development means to get better and yeah maybe i'm not clear enough in how to prioritize development um above um above sensitivity and above self-discipline because they seem grounded in the individual um development could be so could you just explain maybe why um, this isn't just all of the other stuff before bundled together or maybe it is yeah that's interesting because i hadn't seen them as bundled together for me i think development and achievement often get thrown around as synonyms to me one of the differences is achievement is more you and some kind of external marker you've met some kind of bar, you've raised to a certain thing, you've got a certain score or whatever it is. Development is more vague in the sense that it can take many forms, but the idea is more about growth. And I'm gonna use a hippie sounding word, but expansion. Um, the idea that you are becoming more complex, more mature. Um, just the first thing that's coming to my mind is just this idea of like, does someone actually change after they're like 25 or so? Um, I think when this value of development is at your core, you kind of almost want to meet every birthday by looking back at your previous birthdays and going like, wow, I really didn't know much then. I really didn't, I really didn't know what I know now. Yeah, so you're putting reflection and um, and development as a as a reaction to this complex universe, life, um, a set of events that have happened before. Whereas the others are all um, not necessarily uh, reactions or reflections; they're all just interior drives. You must be self-disciplined. You must be ambitious. You must be uh, sensitive. And this one's kind of saying all of those are appropriate in certain contexts as long as you are reflecting and trying your best to uh, blend them and use them and prioritize them depending on which one will develop the situation in a positive way it's implied that the development is positive um so yeah and we'll unpack this for the 50th time. I'll throw that saying it. We will unpack this more later. But the key part of the value of development is it's in service of the capacity for transformation. And I would say what separates it from the previous three is within transformation, there is that caterpillar to butterfly analogy of like, you're going to need to leave parts of you behind. You are going to fundamentally shift who you are over time. You are going to shift your actions and behaviors. You will change your concept of self. You'll change the way you relate. You will change the way you interact with your environment over time. And I'll just leave it at that because that's very open-ended and would leave me as a listener with a lot of questions of like, mm. oh, do you mean this? Um, but I think that's a nuanced one that just needs its own time to be unpacked. So the value for development is different than the others because it's the one that begins to make 
um, you the thing that can change in order to engage with life in another way. And that might mean engaging with life with more self-discipline or with ambition or sensitivity, but the place that's coming from can change over time. Well, it's kind of uh, flipping that original answer. So you would say to somebody, which of these values do you prioritize? If they were to say, if I were to say, well, all of them, all the time, you know, I just I do what's right. It's like, well, maybe it, maybe the way you would answer that in the development school would be, uh, well, I do the one that is that will best develop the situation that I'm in. And then maybe that's what I meant in my first statement, but it wasn't quite as clear and as explicit. Like I do them all is not quite the same as I do the one that is right through reflection and through other um, decision-making processes. Yeah, Yeah. and it involves a tuning into what is present. It involves a tuning into what's there and like a coach, seeing what is the most skillful move to move things towards more complexity or to move things to, yeah, expanding fully to what they are or into their potential. Yeah. And, and I guess just to make this practical, to go back to the school example, um, when I'm privileging development as my core value as a teacher, at the end of the day, something like marks or achievement on a test, which would be probably the most important thing to someone who has the ambition value as their central operating system. For me, marks become a means to development. Mm. Whereas for someone who values ambition at the center, marks are often an end in themselves. How you did on the test is how you did. That is what you achieved. That's what your level of strategy and ambition right now was able to accomplish. Whereas for me, sometimes a student's result or their marks or whatever, that's a means to opening something new to explore in terms of some capacity of their development. Yeah. I'm going to refrain from adding too much to that just because it's clear that this development um, value is the one that we are really interested in. It's the one that is unfolding now. Um, and the other three are already quite well established. And th- this is going to be the core of many of our discussions. How do we set up a school that is um, prime for developing all of those groups within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not attempting to shoo those other three away. No, not at all. Um, okay, so I had some other little sidelines and, and little um, little things I, I, I thought maybe I'd drop in, but I, I'm not going to because this has gone on for quite a while already. And um, maybe I'll save those for next time. So um, I'm good with that unless you have other uh, things to discuss. No, just to tee up the next four episodes because we keep saying, oh, we're going to go into all this. So the intention behind the next four episodes is to take one episode, dedicate it to one of these values, and try to make a case for its historical place in society and the economy and how that showed up within school education and not just where it was and what it was like then, but also what it looks like now in Mm. 2018 and, and what its place at the table is. And yeah, that's where this next step of the, the conversation goes. Good. Um, yeah, because that, that's, that's complex. I mean, one, one episode, you got eight minutes. 
10 minutes maybe to sum up each of those. So good luck, good luck with that. And then I we'll think the first part of these podcasts is going to get a little longer over these next four. Possibly. Yeah. Good. Um, finally, you're going to the integral conference this weekend. I just mm-hmm. thought I'd give you a chance to big it up or sell it or, or, um, <laughs> if you wanted to mention it or not talk about it at all. Yeah, really briefly. Um, the Integral European Conference is in Siofok in Hungary um, this next week. I don't know when people will listen to this, but it's, um, well, I've totally lost track of all concept of dates right now. It's the 18th. <laughs> it's the 18th today that we're They're recording. They're not going to listen to it too far in advance of hearing you. Yeah. Um, the conference is May 22nd to the 27th. Um, it's the third conference that they've held. And if you're an integral theory nut, um, as I am, and you're in Europe, it's absolutely incredible to get together with people in this tribe that um, are doing really cutting edge work. And it's not just education, there's an education track. um, But there's people just doing incredible things in everything from medicine to politics, a lot of business and leadership work. um, And yeah, just essentially any discipline you can think of, there's someone attempting to apply integral to their discipline. And I guess the through line is probably most of us in that room. If you had to boil it all down to one thing, we're all there and interested in valuing development. And for me, (laughs) I knew it. It's like the Scooby-Doo mask comes off at the end of the episode and it was just development all along. Got away with it. (laughs) If it wasn't for you meddling kids. Um, so yeah, I'm doing two presentations, one, a 20 minute talk, just describing a few of the practices that I've developed with my students that serve development, at least I think, and, uh, a 75 minute workshop on, um, an approach to writing that I've been developing over the last three or four years that basically makes integral theory and the components of the aqua map, the all quadrants, all levels, lines, states, stages, and types. Uh, ex- you just blown someone's mind. Accessible yeah. to kids in a kid-friendly way. Um, and it's, it's based on the hero's journey model also, which is cool. I teach something very, very similar too. Um, yeah, excellent. Um, sure, it'll be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back and chatting with you after it. All righty, shall we wrap it up there? Let's wrap it up. Thanks, Brennan. Thank you, Rob McLeod. <laughs>